Be prepared. It's the 60-minute dash. I don't believe what I just saw. With your hosts, Hunter Highwell and Nick Pellucci. In Studio A at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, it is the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60-Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram, at the 60-Minute Dash. We have an interesting show for you guys today is the Jets, same old Jets. I'm beyond frustrated. We'll get to that in just a minute. We're going to talk about the Yankees and their offseason moves. We're going to go around the NFL as a crazy Week 9 happened. And we're going to talk about college football as we're coming to the end of the season. We'll give you our top four teams for the college football playoffs. But like I said, Nick, we got to start off with the Giants. and The Giants? The Jets, excuse me. I'm just flustered today. I don't want to start with either one of them, but that's just me. Because the Jets took a tough, tough loss in Miami. And, of course, the coach said that we just have to execute more. And I'm tired of hearing it. Not only that, he mentioned, um, like I said to you before the show, um, yeah, so we, the play is there. We just got to execute it. I mean, what does that mean? The commitment's there. We just have to. Obviously, execute. the play is there. Obviously, you didn't execute it. You haven't executed a damn thing. And you know what, though? One of the things with the Jets that drives me crazy is I'm tired of hearing the same, same press conference every game. Oh, the commitment's there. The commitment's there. The commitment's there. But we just didn't execute. We don't ever execute under Todd Bowles. It's ridiculous. Let me tell you something. The Jets' average field position yesterday was the 17-yard line. That falls on the special teams. That falls on the offense for not being able to do anything with the ball. That could, Because the defense, let's be honest, the defense played fantastic yesterday. They allowed six points. The offense gave up more points than the defense did yesterday. It was just ridiculous. You had Spencer Wong throwing snaps everywhere. The Jets had three and outs all over the place. I don't know how many first downs they had. I could probably count them on a single hand. They just... they. They threw interceptions. Let me tell you, Darnold took a major step back yesterday. I mean, I'm not going to... A huge step back. I'm starting to believe that this coaching staff is not nurturing him the way that they should be right now. And he's stuck in a spot where he feels as though he has to start making the plays on his own because there's no leadership on this team. Like I mentioned last week, uh, Todd Bowles isn't producing the right play calling for him no. and he's starting to force the ball when we saw him in preseason we saw him way beyond his years where he was threading the needle getting the ball where it needs to be being patient with it and extending plays now because he has no time to th- throw the football he got rushed and sacked more than a handful of times yesterday and he started throwing and forcing it into double coverage it, the ball would go over the uh receiver's head or knocked out of the grip out of his hands all of that i didn't see one positive from sam darnold yesterday and i can't even put the, all the blame on him right now no you know what though he did not look good he did not see kiko alonzo on that one interception he's throwing the ball right to them he probably could have had seven interceptions yesterday if we're being completely honest the dolphins dropped a couple of them but the jets couldn't establish a run game because the Dolphins have one of the worst run defenses in the National Football League. They're the worst 5-4 and four team that I've, that I've ever seen. But give them credit. They beat who they had to beat. They're 5-4. and four. But they make, the, they make the Dolphins look good yesterday. I don't know how you do that. Jermaine Curse. I mean, come on. Do you want to play football on the team? I mean, where's the awareness on the last drive of the game? He's just standing out of bounds. Wide open. Wide open. And let's be honest. This is all around. This isn't just the offense. The special teams... Andre Roberts kept calling for fair catches. We kept starting at our own 15. The offense couldn't get anything done. And we missed a big field goal. Jason Myers missed a field goal that could have tied the game. It's just, it was so frustrating to watch yesterday. And Bowles doesn't have a creative bone in his body. He is not creative in any way, shape, or form. Jeremy Bates is not creative in any way, shape, or form. It's just vanilla. It's the same thing. There's just receivers running around. Darnold's looking at one guy. He's not... I just don't think he's being coached all that well. And it's just, I've never seen Todd Bowles talk to Darnold after he makes a mistake. I've never seen Todd Bowles do anything. He's not animated. And, and in the postgame press conference, he's saying that, oh, the, the commitment's there. That's great, Todd. When are we going to be held accountable for wins and losses? You're 3-6. and six. You were 3-6 and six last year. This is just it's disgraceful. It's disgusting. And how this guy, he's probably the worst coach in the NFL after Hugh Jackson got fired. When is it? When is enough enough? We're and ti- again, in the third quarter, in the second half, he's calling a timeout on a second and three. What? And 
oh my gosh, dude. Oh man, it's just it's the, frustrating. The same old Jets is becoming the same old thing to call this team right now. You got the new QB this year, but it's the same old Jets every single year. And it's getting redundant. And he doesn't deserve to be here at this point. With Todd Bowles, this is his third season. And every the first two ended the same exact way. And it seems this year is going the same exact way. We got the Bills before the bye week. And if you don't win here, you're looking at three and seven going into the bye. Your season's done at that point. But then, when, done but now. then, but then when does it become notice when is it that top bulls is going to finally be held accountable and be taken care of when is uh mcmanus going to take action mcmanon mccagnon mccagnon when is he going to take action and finally do what the team needs and get rid of this coaching staff now listen i like mccagnon but here's the thing when it comes to mccagnon i think he deserves to see this out i think he deserves to spend the money that he has but he and Bowles came here as a married couple because they were given to him by those uh, consultants of uh, Charlie Casserly. I think it was uh, Wolf was part of it, too. I just... Is, does McCagden have the power to fire him? Because, honestly, what they need to do, they need to do what the Rams did, what the Bears did. The Bears, they had Trubisky. They drafted him, and they got... He didn't look good his first year, but they got rid of Fox. They got rid of that whole coaching staff. What's the, I forgot the coach's name, but they brought him in, and look at that. They're 5-3. and three, They're on the cusp of something. Trubisky's taking steps. The offense is taking steps. What did the Rams do? Two years ago, Jeff Fisher, Jared Goff, everybody's going, oh, he's a bust. He doesn't look good. And then he got rid of Jeff Fisher. They brought in Sean McVay, and now they're the best team in football. And you know what I see from Sean McVay? And you know what I see from the Bears coach? Every time the young quarterback coming off the field, he's over there. He's talking to him. He's like, hey, what's going on? What? What did you see on that play? And I'll tell you what I saw. I don't see that from Bowles. I just see him standing there with his arms crossed, thinking to himself, man, am I going to be able to kick a field goal out of this? Because that's all the Jets ever get. They never finish drives. All he cares about, it seems, is getting into field goal position. And then he, he had the audacity to take a shot at his defense yesterday, saying that they didn't commit and execute plays yesterday. They gave up six points. Held the Dolphins under, what, 150 yards? Are you kidding me? This was on the offense. Come on, call the offense out, Todd. Show us something. Tom, tired of the commitment. The execution was off. Listen, the execution has been off. How about you get this team together, you look in the mirror, and you fix the problems. Be creative. Stop running the same things over and over and over again. It's disgraceful at this point. You said it best. It's be like Todd Bowles has yet to show us uh, some sort of taking action and really looking deep into this and saying, what are the problems and how can I address them? You need to go into that locker room, look everybody straight in the eye and be like, listen, here's what's going to happen this week. We're going to get, we just lost yesterday. We're going to get back down to business today. We're going to look at all our mistakes and this is how we address them. And this is how we reform and commit to all these changes in the team, in the play calling, listen, you're going into another team for another week. You have six days to prepare for it. Go out and do that. Prepare for your next opponent. Don't just go in there and be like, all right, it did, our game plan didn't work last week. It sure as hell should work this week. No. Because that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing the same thing every week. And that's why you're getting the same results every week. There's no game plan. No, it doesn't seem that there ever is a game plan. It just seems that they're willing to run the same thing, and they said that they'll work it out. Oh, he's going to work it out. Three and six ain't working out for anybody, Todd. All right? And another thing, they had second and three, and then Brian Winters, false start. How many times this year are we going to have a good play on first down and then a false start that just negates it or an offsides that gives them a first down? And here's another thing that really bothered me. Late in the game, all right, it's 13-6. And the Dolphins, they're, well, the Jets get held to fourth down, and they go for it. I disagree with that because the offense hasn't done anything all day. And you have two timeouts. I would have punted it to Miami, gotten them pinned really deep in their own end because they did not do anything all day on offense. Your defense has been playing fantastic. But you have two timeouts plus the two-minute warning. So what I would have done is I would have kicked it to Brock Osweiler and Frank Gore 
and I would have let them try to get 10 yards. And you have your three, you have two timeouts plus the two-minute warning, and instead of being at your own 15-yard line on the final drive of the game, maybe on your own 40-yard line, your own 30-yard line, something. I just disagree with almost everything that the coach has done yesterday. And anybody who still defends Todd Bowles, give me five reasons why he bo- why he belongs here and why he deserves to see it out. Because I can't find one reason why he deserves to see it out. Not only that, it wasn't just fourth down at that point. It was fourth and, I believe, 15. It was. Fourth and 15 with over two minutes to go, two timeouts. For you to not even, like, at least... A, were they in field goal range at that point? No, they weren't. They no, were. because they got sacked. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to punt the ball there. I think you're just forcing way too much. You're, you have to trust your defense because that's really... They've been playing well all day. The only thing that's playing well. And for you to say, oh, Sam, go out there. You got this, buddy. He hasn't had it all day. You got to go with your heart. You got to go with your top players. You know, your hot players at that point. And he didn't do that. And that's why Sam Darnold threw four interceptions yesterday. That's inexcusable. There's no excuse for this loss in general. There's nothing that I could look at today and say, Oh, it's okay because this happened. No, the Jets lost this game. The defense gave them every opportunity to win this game, and the Jets did nothing with it. There's they they no, did nothing. No, they didn't. The Jets have to figure this out. I, I, don't, I, <laughs> I ran out of things to talk about with them because what, we, don't have, we don't have answers. Todd Bowles doesn't seem to have answers. Listen, what the Jets need to do, they need to clean house with this coaching staff. They need to get Bates out. They need to get Bowles out. They need to get Casey Rogers out. Because let's be honest, the defense played well yesterday, but they've had their moments. Remember the Broncos game? They gave up a ton of yards. The Colts game, they gave up over 30 points as well, even though they won. They've get, the, the Browns game, they couldn't stop anything late in the game against Baker because they weren't prepared. How, do you, how are you not prepared for that? I mean... This team, in general, is really badly coached. They've been, they make plays sometimes, but then they just forget how to play football. They commit bad penalties at bad times. It just seems that they're very poorly coached. They're not, they're not willing. You know, they focus and finish is Todd Bowles' big line. Well, they don't focus, and they certainly don't finish. So at that point, if his message of focus and finish isn't even being executed, he does not deserve to be here. And yesterday's game, I put this on our Twitter page yesterday. Yesterday's game shows you exactly why Todd Bowles doesn't belong as an NFL head coach in this league. It's disgraceful. It's disgusting. People look at Bowles like a laughingstock. They'll get the Jets like a laughingstock because 30 other football teams win that game yesterday. Well, you know, Todd Bowles and Jets, their one motto this year is one team, one goal. Well, I'd like to know what that goal is because it doesn't seem like it's the Super Bowl. It hasn't. It never looked that way, except for maybe Week One. But Todd, they, you're right. McCagnan needs to step in it and take action, clean this house up really well, and try and find answers because you're gonna. If you wait till the end of the season, it might just be too late. It. You know what though. You. You gotta I mean, obviously at this point you have to look towards next season already. But you can't, I wouldn't fire Bowles now. I would just let him finish out the season because honestly, firing him now it doesn't really do much. But it just kind of spins the team into a spiral, and you know I don't want the team to spiral because he was asked yesterday, "Is this team spiraling?" And he said, "It's not a spiral. We just didn't execute." I'm tired of the execution thing. But you know Jamal Adams in his press conference yesterday, he said he's pissed off. He's tired of losing. So is the rest of Jets Nation, Jets Nation, man. We're all tired of losing. And the way the Jets lose, it just, it's just backbreaking. They lose in new, creative, unique ways. I mean, just any way that they can find a way to lose, they lose. Yeah, they don't, I don't, they don't win. They lose themselves. I, they're always in it at some points in the game. And then, like, they did a really good job yesterday keeping themselves in the game but there is no execution tired of hearing that but when is the execution going to begin you're listening to the 60 minute dash on all noise radio powered by the connecticut school of broadcasting when we come back we got the rest of the week nine roundup later in our show some college football who we think will make it to the end and we have a yankee shopping list for you don't go away 
Connecticut School of Broadcasting founder Dick Robinson. You know, the media business has changed a lot since we opened our doors in 1964. Now media content is everywhere, on air, online, on the go. More than ever, companies are looking for people to help drive this new media. At Connecticut School of Broadcasting, you'll get hands-on training on the latest software and equipment in a matter of months, not years. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has placed thousands of grads in broadcast media careers. It's all about versatility. You see, at a radio station, if you also know how to shoot, edit, and post videos, you become a pretty hot commodity. That's the training you get at Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Connecticut School of Broadcasting with locations up and down the East Coast from Massachusetts to Miami. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Connecticut School of Broadcasting, the nation's oldest and largest group of broadcast media schools. Redefining training in radio, TV, and new media. Get trained. Get connected. 1-800-TV-RADIO. The 60-Minute Dash, powered by All Noise Radio. We got more left, don't you? A whole lot. Don't I thought so. Oh, God, that warm up. We're warming up. Going 0-60 to 60 with intense sports talk. Are you ready? This is the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Nick Pellucci, Hunter Highwell. Week 9 of the NFL is almost wrapped up. We got Dallas and Tennessee tonight. But we're going to give you our roundup on it so far and so much more to come. But first, we have to pick our game of the week, and that has to be Jared Goff and the Los Angeles Rams who go into New Orleans undefeated. But Drew Brees takes care of business and gets hands the Rams their and first loss of the season. You know what this game came down to? I think we were talking about this before the show. We were just, it was just simple that we both knew that this was the game of the week. We wanted to talk about what was the game of the week. This is easily the game of the week for for many reasons. 45 to 35, but it also had defensive stops in this game. And to be honest, it was really about who could get the first real big defensive stop. And the Saints... In the first half, were dominant. They were up 35-17 going into the half. But then the Rams came back and made it 35-35. But then the, the, the Saints scored the last 10 points of the game, and they made some nice key defensive stops towards the end of the game. And that's why I'm, I'm looking at this game, and I'm seeing just a completely different game from what I watched from the Jets and the Dolphins. Because the Jets and the Dolphins had horrible quarterback play, had horrible receiver play, had horrible special teams play. But this game had it all. This game had offense. It had Drew Brees and Jared Goff have a shootout. It had some nice defensive stops. It had good special teams. This is just what a good football game really was. And it came down to Drew Brees being the veteran that he is, having guys like Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, and those two guys just basically dominating the game because in the Rams' defense, for as good as they are, you can't give up 35 points in the first half because you know the Saints are going to put up points no matter what. And the, paint, and the Saints put and up we, points when they needed to. And we've seen games where the Saints got held to like under 300 yards, under 30 points. But this game was all what it was hyped up to be. You know, the Rams come into the Superdome undefeated against a very good New Orleans Saints team. Now and I've, they're hot as well. They only lost one time this year. I have a question for you, Nick. You said it right. The undefeated team went to the Saints, who are a very hot team. Are the Saints the best team in football right now? I, I'm going to get back to that later because I do have my power rankings right now f- for the end of this week. But I believe right now we may see these two teams again in an NFC championship matchup. And it might be in, in, in January. And we may have thought that it was going to be in the L.A. Coliseum, but now with the Saints taking care of business yesterday, this game could be in the Superdome for an NFC championship game. That would be something nice because the Rams would be looking for revenge. And the Saints, I would want to see Drew Brees go back to the Super Bowl. I want to see him get another chip. I think that would be really nice. I think it would be great, too, for the veteran he is. You know, we don't know how much time he has left in the NFL. I mean, he's already broken so many records. I think he may have a few more years left in him. But I like what you said before about Jared Goff. You know, when he came into the league, he looked sloppy. He didn't look like he was an NFL quarterback. He wasn't NFL ready. But this year, and especially yesterday, we've seen how much growth has been in this man, young man. 
Um, his ability to bring back his team against a very good defense uh, in the second half. You know, he put up good numbers. He was 28 for 40 and 391 yards, more than Breeze. Um, it was that one interception that may have been uh, key in this game. But all in all, these are two powerhouses. And Alvin Kamara, not taking anything away from him because he may be the biggest link for this team right now because he runs the ball very well. And he's flashy. And he's coming out of the backfield to make some – he had three touchdowns yesterday, and they weren't all on the ground. That's his versatilityness, And like I said, he's a big reason why this team is 7-1. and one. Now, let's move on a little bit as we're going to go to the Steelers with a big win over the Ravens. That was a good game too. I mean, what I usually do when the Jets are on, I mean, because I need a break from the Jets. When the Jets are in commercial, I like to watch real football, so I put on NFL Red Zone. And this was a good game. 23-16, the Steelers outlast the Ravens. It was a good game. That's and another game that... It's a big win for the Steelers in that AFC North as the Ravens go under 500, and the Steelers, they're going to probably win this division again because the Bengals are the Bengals, and they were off this week. But what did you think about this game, Nick? I, it was everything that I expected from this game, too. You know, I didn't expect too much offense. Yep, because th- I agree. These two teams, they're, they've been playing well, but they're... Not consistent offensively, either no. team. No, and definitely not. Both teams have had games where their defense would hold it down. Last week, we saw Pittsburgh uh, do really well against the Browns, where in week one, they came out with a tie. And the Ravens have had a few really good games this year. And then they got killed by the Panthers last and week. So it's like yeah. you don't know what... The Ravens are such a weird team. You don't know whatever what to expect Pittsburgh, out of the Ravens. Yeah, exactly. Pittsburgh came off a win. Baltimore came off a loss. So I really feel like Pittsburgh had the edge in this one, and that's why I thought they would win. But I want to go back to what I said a while back about Joe Flacco. Like, what's his identity in this league right now? Because there was one week where I was saying, oh, he's an elite quarterback. He's, he's back on top, you know. And then yesterday he only th- – I mean, he didn't do terrible, but no touchdowns, and there's just no there offensive were, gain. There were, there were a couple key drops, though, yesterday for the Ravens. I think Crabtree had a couple key drops, and th- let's be real. The Steelers had a couple big hits that jarred the ball loose. I mean, Flacco has had an overall good season, but one of the problems with the Ravens is they have Allen and they have Alex Collins as their running back. I don't th- Their run game really isn't that incredible. If you think about it, I just think that Joe Flacco has been left out, not necessarily left out the drug, because he definitely has some blame in why they went from four and two to four and five. But I don't necessarily want to say that he's the main reason. I mean, the the defense did not play well last week against Carolina. They got lit up. I think the defense played well enough to win this game against the Steelers. But you got to give the Steelers some credit where it's deserved. I mean, they went out. They had. To, they did what they had to do. I I feel like he's a lot like Matt Stafford. You know, he has the NFL knack to do the right thing as a quarterback, you know, knowing where to put the ball, knowing all the coverages, being able to come out of audible, but the lack of weapons on that team, you know, their, yeah. their best receivers really sneed. Yeah. Or who, Crabtree. Yeah. But they just got Crabtree and, and they just got Sneed. Sneed was an offseason pickup. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, there's... And going back to the running thing, there's really just nothing for Flacco to do. And yeah, then, he definitely deserves some blame, but not all the blame. I'll, I'll agree with you on that. But, but uh, it was an, definitely another good game nonetheless. Uh, another game we have to talk about was the one from last night. That was a good I, one, yeah. It uh, was a very good game. The first half was phenomenal. Going into the second half, uh, Rodgers got the ball and marched right down the field to tie the game with a pass to Jimmy Graham. But then, but let, let's just be honest. I'm going to finish your sentence for you. Tom Brady was Tom Brady, and he took advantage of a young Green Bay Packers defense. That one touchdown to uh, Josh Gordon, where he looked off the two safeties for a fake screen and then just put it right on Gordon's chest. That's an that, NFL that, that, veteran that's move. That's a very good. That was probably the best player in the game, and a very pivotal game uh, play in that game was the fumble. Of course, but when I, the, I thought the Packers were going to march down the field there, and who was that fumble? Was it uh, uh, Williams? Jones. No, Jones. Jones fumbled? Yeah. Aaron Jones fumbled the ball. Back-to-back weeks, Insi- a fumble kills Inside the, the 25, and that was much of the difference. Another key mention in this game, Julian Edelman. 
Not only did he catch the ball, he ran the ball. Not only did he run and catch the ball, he passed the ball. I want to mention something here. Th that play, they ran that play against the Ravens a couple years ago in the playoffs, and it was yeah. a little different when he threw it down the sideline to Amendola. But you know what? This is what the Jets need, a little bit of creativity on offense because the offense isn't going too well. I mean, they need the creativity. You know, like maybe a little pitch screen to a receiver, and then he throws the ball. But he threw the ball to James White, and they got a really big gain out of it. Be you know why? Because it's something that a defense isn't prepared for. And the Patriots have done this for so long. They don't do it often, but when they do it, it works because they, they see what they need to do, and they get it done. And this creativity threw the Packers off. The Packers didn't know what to do. And that's a, that, you're right. That's a very big play in this game. I give more credit to Bill Belichick than anything. Because Best coach ever. you can throw anybody on this team. He knows exactly what everybody's strengths are. And he works out playbooks around these guys. He'll do whatever works for these guys. You saw he won with Matt Castle. He won with Garoppolo. Matt Castle came out of New England. Didn't hear from him again. Didn't do much. So Same, so, same thing with so much of these guys like running backs. Wes Welker, that's a good example. Wes Welker is another one. Danny Woodhead. Yeah. You know, Belichick's he, just... These he guys, he you know knows he exactly what to do. They're just coached. They're well coached. And he knows how to use... Like you said, he knows how to use his players to his advantage. It's just... he's just He just knows how to use these players. And you can tell. Everybody else is just on a completely different level. And that's what I have the argument with a lot of people. Because they all say that Tom Brady is the GOAT. And it seems that way. But I feel like you could have thrown... A lot of quarterbacks in that backfield under Bill Belichick, and they could have maybe done the same thing because of how well that team that's is run. Why, that's why he wanted to keep Garoppolo because he knew that Garoppolo was good enough that he can win. I mean, maybe Brady is amazing, but I think that I think Brady's still an all-time great. But I think that he's definitely helped out by Belichick. Absolutely. Now, another game that I want to get to, I, I, I would talk about the Bears dominating the Bills, but I mean they, they dominated the Bills. So just one quick thing on that. Trubisky and that defense looked really good yesterday, even without Khalil Mack. They're dangerous in that NFC North. But speaking of the NFC North, the Bears are 5-3, and three, and we just talked about the Packers. Let's stick with it with an NFC North matchup as the Vikings dominated the Lions. Sacked Stafford 10 times. 10 times. Yeah, you're right. I looked at that before. And they're, again, Detroit is just a weird team where they're winning and losing. Out of, against, like they should have lost against the Vikings this week, but... The way that they've played in the past, you didn't think it was going to be this way. No, the Lions are a weird team. You never know what and they are. They really didn't play that bad. They just had nothing going on offense because nothing. they held Thielen to under 100 yards, who, which no team has done this year. And Cousins was held to under 300 yards, which also hasn't been done this year. So the defense did what they had to do. 24 points is 24 points against a good team. But to only come away with three field goals on the offensive side, inexcusable. Now, it's time to get to our NFL picks. As I went 3-0 and last week, which is not usually normal for me. I won on the Panthers and the Chargers and the Texans. I lucked out on the Texans. As they, so did I. The, yeah, the Broncos <laughs> missed a game-winning kick. We didn't get to that game, but, man, the Texans survived. I still, But we're going to get to our uh, NFL picks. My first pick of the game... I picked the Falcons a couple weeks ago against the Giants. I lost on the spread, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to them. They're favored three in Cleveland. Let me tell you something. I think Cleveland's in complete disarray. They're in dysfunction. Hugh Jackson's gone. Haley's gone. Greg Williams is the head coach. They're, just, they're all over the place. They got killed by the Chiefs. I think the Falcons, favored three in Cleveland. I love that matchup. I'm picking the Falcons in Cleveland. Second game, the Packers are mad. They're mad. They're favored seven at home over the Dolphins, who, like we said, just lucked out a win against the pitiful Jets at home. I think the I think the Packers are mad. I expect a big game from Rod. He's going to take advantage of this bad Dolphins defense, and he's going to show you what a real NFL team can do against the Dolphins, unlike the Jets. And so I'm picking the Green Bay Packers favored seven over the Fish at home. My third game, let me tell you, Tampa Bay has no reason being a favorite. I understand the Redskins got killed by the Falcons, but still they have no reason being a favorite. I'm picking the Redskins on the road. They're getting two in Tampa Bay. I expect a big game from Alex Smith and Adrian Peterson. They're going to respond, and they're going to take it to the Buccaneers. So my three picks, Atlanta favored three in Cleveland. 
Green Bay favored seven at home over the Dolphins, and the Redskins are getting two in Tampa Bay. Nick, take it away. Well, I'm also five for my last five. I'm awaiting the Dallas game tonight where they're favored, I believe, four and a half. Uh, three and a half, I'm sorry. Um, so waiting on that, I did win on the Houston game as well and the KC game. But this week is I picked some teams that I haven't picked all year. Uh, I got New Orleans. They're going to stay hot and take care of Cincinnati. They're favored only three and a half. So I think that people are going to be surprised with that game. Also, I got Chicago favored four and a half over Detroit. You know, Chicago's rolling, Detroit coming off another loss, but Chicago is doing big things, and they're going to be a problem in the NFC North. And then I got Carolina, who is the underdog to Pittsburgh by five and a half. I think Carolina can slip away a win over Pittsburgh. So I got New Orleans, Chicago, and Carolina. You're listening to the 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School Broadcasting. Coming up, some college foosball. Don't go away. You know, our jobs occupy more than half our waking hours. Shouldn't we be doing something we love? Call Connecticut School of Broadcasting at 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Since 1964, Connecticut School of Broadcasting, with a network of 12 campuses from Massachusetts to Miami, has helped place thousands of grads as DJs, sportscasters, entertainment reporters, behind the scenes in audio and video production, every aspect of the broadcast media. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has trained men and women of all ages and backgrounds in a matter of months, not years. Learn by doing from area radio and TV pros. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Remember, it's never too late to love what you do. Day and evening classes begin soon. Get trained. Get connected now. The 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60-Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60-Minute Dash. And on Twitter, ask questions and answer polls using hashtag Ask60. And this is the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We had a very interesting weekend in college sports. Something that we don't usually talk about. No, but today we're going to because college football playoff race is getting tighter and tighter. We have a couple teams that are unanimously at the top. But a few teams sneaking their way in to try and get into this playoffs. How about that, Hunter? What do you got for me? What I got for you is this. Um, so, we had Statement Saturday on Saturday. That's what college football was calling it. And a couple Statement victories, to say the least, as I think my biggest win of the weekend easily goes to Michigan absolutely dismantling Penn State, which... I'm an I'm an Irish fan, so I'm happy that my Irish beat Northwestern. So I think that Northwest I think that the Irish are going to move up to three. But I think Michigan easily sneaks in to that number four spot after destroying Penn State, and then Alabama took care of business against LSU. So now the top four teams are now going to be without seeing the college football selection show. It's going to be Alabama at one, yep. Clemson at two, Notre Dame at three. And then Michigan at four. And the reason why Notre Dame is three and Michigan's four is because Notre Dame beat Michigan to start the season. So I think that that's fair because, let's be honest, Alabama proved that they deserve to be number one. They killed LSU 29 nothing. Everybody was so pumped for that game in Baton Rouge. And let's be honest, LSU got dismantled on national TV. It was embarrassing. It was a and joke. Alabama that. is probably going to go back to the – they're probably going to go back to the college football final. I do not want to play them in the first round if I'm any team. But I think right now the only team, there's two teams I think that could beat them. I don't think Michigan can beat them. I don't. I just think that Alabama is better than Michigan. I give Notre Dame a slight chance because Notre Dame's defense is fast. I think Ian Book is a good playmaker. I think that they have toys on offense like Dexter Williams and Boykin. But I think Clemson right now has the best shot at them. Because Clemson has, they had a quarterback controversy. They don't have it anymore. I think that their offense is fantastic. I think their defense is top in the nation. But I 
don't think anybody could beat Alabama until I see it. I hope a Notre Dame could beat Alabama because they're my team, but what do you think, Nick? I, Alabama is just so good. Nick Saban has been doing this for years. He, he's go, it seems that he's going to be there every single year, and you know it right before, even before this. Right as soon as the national championship ends, you're like, all right, he's starting can't wait to season. see them next year. Yeah. It's about no. – like, They're like the Patriots, you know what I mean? Like you know – it's basically the Alabama Invitational. Like the Super Bowl is the New England Invitational. It's the Alabama Invitational. And the only way that Alabama can get beat is exactly what Georgia did to them last year. You have to score on them early. You have to have them on the ropes. But Georgia let them back into the game, which you can't do. You cannot let Alabama back into the game. You have to score on them early and often. You have to build a lead before Alabama could settle into the game. Because once Alabama settles into the game, forget it. You're done. Yeah, no, it's not a game where you could do a shootout, shot for shot, punch for punch. It's, it's not how it is with Alabama because Alabama will find a void somewhere to pick you. And they'll take advantage of it nine times out of ten. Let's be real. And it'll, it'll get away. It'll get out of your hands very quickly. Now, we all know the top teams and how well they're doing. And, you know, they're undefeated, all these guys. But I want to mention one game yes, uh, this weekend that didn't really – it surprised me, but it was a great win by a good team. And it's worth mentioning, the West Virginia Mountaineers. That was a good game. On an, beat Texas, right? They beat Texas oh, yeah. on a late touchdown with 16 seconds left, but they're still down by one, and they dis, and they go for two. Yep, yep. And, and there, there was three timeouts called in a row, and they stuck with the same exact play that they were going to go with, and they executed it perfectly and won that game. That game may help them win, uh, get into the college playoffs this year. Maybe. I, mean, I think it'll get them into a, a, to a nice bowl game because I, West Virginia, though, let's be, they have maybe a top Heisman contender in Will Greer. He's played great. And Texas needed this win because they lost to Oklahoma State the weekend before. They were yeah. ranked sixth in the country, and Oklahoma State beat them on ABC on national TV. So I think that this was a perfect game for Statement Saturday. And like you said, West, West Virginia with a ballsy move to go for that two-point conversion to win the game, and it worked out for them. I think that when, when it's college football, and you know there's nothing, what you want to do, the first goal is to win your conference and then get to the big game. You're not going to win your conference by going to overtime and rolling the dice. I loved it. I loved it. They needed, because that situation. That's a great college football play. It is a great me. college football play because in college football, it's, it's different from the NFL. Wins in the NFL are just wins. You know what I mean? Like the NFL... There's no rankings in the NFL, and you just need to get wins any way possible. So if it's the NFL, I'm maybe thinking just, all right, you know, go to overtime because a win's a win. In college, yeah, you have, you have to win. You can't take the risk of losing. You know what I mean? At this stage in the season especially, because they only have well, three, four weeks left. Yeah. So nine games played. They, they got, so then they only have one game left. No, they so have three, 12 games in college. Yeah. Yeah, you said you only have one week left. There's three. Three more weeks. What week, week is? <laughs> so it's week nine, Nick. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So this is the time, like you said, statement. They have to make a statement now because there's time is running out. And that was a huge play by them. I think another good game, Georgia roughing up Kentucky. As Kentucky is, was ninth in the country, Georgia was sixth. Georgia yeah. needed this win because... Everybody else in front of them lost, except they're, probably, they're going to be the new number five team with Michigan moving up. They roughed up Kentucky, and now Georgia's sitting nice and pretty on the outside. So if any team in that top four loses, Georgia's going to be the new team in that top four, and they're going to be going to the college football playoff. And you can tell they are still mad about last year, and they have one loss this season. And you can tell they want to get back into that college football playoff. And, they want, and you know what they want? They don't want it to be Alabama to lose because they want Alabama. They want them again because Alabama, they lucked out last year. Georgia let them back into that game. Georgia had them beat, but they let them back in. Georgia wants Alabama in the championship again. I think another team that I think wants back in is Ohio State. You know, they're, they're a big-name football team. They, they've been at it for, uh, for the past few years. but the they're sitting urban, in the, The whole Urban Meyer scandal. Yeah, they're sitting at number eight right now, so... 
this uh, they had a very much needed win against Nebraska this weekend. It was a tough win, but they got it done. They got the job done. That's all that matters. And but like you said, it was tough because they didn't win by a lot. And that's there's, that's there's big. In, that's big in college. Right now, all college is is score differential. You need to pound these teams because teams like Clemson, they got the job done. They scored 70 points. I hate it when teams do that where they score 70 points. But you need to pad your wins. It's everything in college. Like I said, the NFL is just win-based. You can win by one point. Like the Chargers a couple weeks ago walking out against the Titans, just win by a point. Who cares? You got the win. And but yesterday, in, too, they could have. Yeah. But in college, it's, it's point differential. People look at Clemson winning by 40 points, 50 points. And they look over, like, they, Notre Dame beat Northwestern, a tough North, Northwestern team by 10 points. But people are going to give the credit to Clemson because they won by much more. Because right now, I think the four teams that are in there might end up in because the, the, Notre Dame has a couple tough tests. They play USC, they play Syracuse, and then they have Florida State. They play Florida State, Syracuse, and then USC to end the season. Now... We're going to look at Alabama's remaining schedule here. Let's see. Alabama football. Sorry, I didn't have it up already. Ooh. Alabama football schedule. So they go to... They host Mississippi State this weekend. Number 18. That could be a tough game, but I still expect Alabama to win. Probably to win big. And then they play Citadel, who you think that Alabama is just going to roll over. And then they play Auburn. So let's be real. They're going 12-0. and I don't think that there is any doubt in my mind because they are just—they're the best team. They're the best team. They're going to go 12 and 0. And when it and now Clemson, they host—they go to 22 Boston College. That could be tough—a road game against Boston College. You never know. Maybe something crazy happens. Then they're home for Duke. All right, let's be real. They're gonna—they're gonna beat Duke. All right, Duke's not a football school. We all know their basketball program is really good. And then they host South Carolina. And they're going to probably beat South Carolina, so they're going to go 12-0. and And Michigan, I think, I think Michigan has one more tough game left because they always have a tough game. Let's see, they host Rutgers next week. Okay, that's nothing. They have Indiana, and then they finish the season against Ohio State. So if you're Georgia, all you have to do is just win your next two games, win out, and then you got to hope Ohio State finds a way to screw Michigan. That's your only hope at this point to get into that college football playoff. You need to hope that Michigan loses because let's be honest. I think Notre Dame's going to win out. I think, I think Clemson's going to win out. I think Alabama's going to win out. I think the one team that cannot win out, it would be, probably be the Wolverines. I, I agree. So what you said, there's, it's not, they don't control their own destiny at this point. Yeah. They, they need pieces to fall together. And based on the schedules ahead, I think that, the Wolverines can win out and they will win out because they're, I think they're a little bit underrated. There's not enough credit where credit's due and you have a veteran head coach over there. So he's done a good job with them. He's recovered nicely after getting basically slaughtered by Notre Dame in week one. He's done a nice job rebounding and getting that team ready to play every week. And they've won since then. So at, in the end, I believe that the top four teams that will make the playoffs are the top four teams right now, in my opinion. I agree with you. I don't think any of these teams are going to lose. I think especially since that game is in Michigan, I think that they're going to win. I think Notre Dame's going to win out. I think Alabama's probably going to win out. I think Clemson's going to win out. I think it's going to stay the same. I mean, maybe they might move the teams around. Maybe Notre Dame and Michigan switch spots. I doubt it because Notre Dame has that win over Michigan. But you never know. Alabama deserves to be number one. Right now, every team in the top four deserves to be where they are. And the top 10, really. I don't see any problems with the top 10 in general. Arguably so. You've been listening to the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. To end our show today, we are going to give you a shopping list for the New York Yankees, what they need to do. They definitely need some spots to fill if they want to make it to that World Series. Don't go away. All Noise Radio.
Powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. All Noise Radio is an internet radio station that's fully produced by graduates of the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. From modern rock to old school hip-hop, country to classical, news, talk, sports, and more. It's the noise you can't ignore. Log on to allnoiseradio.com. Fire up the station. Find out more about your favorite jocks. Get the latest CSB news and more. Plus, you can take All Noise Radio with you on the go for free. Just download the Live 365 app to your iPhone, iPod Touch, or BlackBerry and search All Noise Radio. Check out tomorrow's broadcasters today at allnoiseradio.com. Powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Ho, 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 ho! Santa Claus is here! Huddle up! It's the 60-Minute Dash with your host, Hunter Highwell and Nick Pellucci. And we're back on the 60-Minute Dash, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have a nice, hefty shopping list for you for the New York Yankees and you Yankee fans who... Love your Yankees so much, so, so much, but they came just a bit short this year, getting defeated by Boston. So clearly what you guys had in mind at the beginning of the season, you guys were all in, and it fell short. You guys picked up Giancarlo Stanton, Zach Britton, Jay Happ. All these guys weren't the answer. So we're going to give you some of those answers, and it might help you out in 2019. Hunter, what do we have in store for the Yankees right now. So last last week we did a little preview of what the Mets could do because they did resign Brody Van they resign they signed Brody Van Wagenen. So we ran over what the Mets should do. So we thought it was only fair to do what the Yankees should do probably looking at this offseason. And right now I think the the main concern for this New York Yankee team that really showed down the stretch and a little bit into the playoffs was the starting rotation. The starting rotation needs to be better. They just have to be. There, there's not enough there. I mean, last year you got, you had Tanaka. He was pretty good. CC was okay. I mean, Severino was either really had a good. Severino very bad second half. Yeah, he was either really good Severino or really bad Severino. You had Jay Happ later in the season. You know, but you you need to find something that could just head this head this rotation. I mean, because if you can have Severino and another guy, then you're looking at something. I mean, I think that the number one target should be for the Yankees, easily should be Patrick Corbin, because the rotation is the number one concern for this Yankee team. I mean, forget, listen, I understand. I I know that they want to go all in on Machado, but I'll get to that in a minute. But if I'm Brian Cashman and I'm looking at my team right now, I look at it and I'm like, okay, I mean, I need a pitcher really, really bad. And... I think Patrick Corbin fits the bill. He's young. He's 29 years old. He doesn't have all that much mileage on him because he did miss one season with Tommy John surgery, but he had a really good season last year. And right now, I think that he's probably the best option to bring on the Yankee team. But he stated that he wants to be on the Yankees anyway. So I think that it only makes all that much sense. And he's the best available arm right now, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, there's a very large list of free agents for starting pitching but Patrick Corbin is the number one guy on that list I know you hate war but he also has the best war it's dumb. Most pitchers don't get me started it doesn't it's a, it really doesn't matter for that but like you said he's young and he had he's coming off a very very good season I know the year before wasn't that well on him but this year he was able to stay healthy for most of the year I think he did go down for a couple weeks mm-hmm. or two weeks but um, overall, but he's, overall yeah. he was healthy. He was healthy, and he wins games, and he pitches deep into games. He pitched a lot of games into the seventh inning, and this is just a very good spot for him and a very good pitcher for the Yankees to really bolster that starting rotation because this year we saw what we thought. A lot of people said that you know this is going to be a really good rotation. They went all in on Tanaka a few years ago. Um they got Severino now, who, like we said, first half showed he was very dominant. He was 12-2 and two at one point. And CC, you don't know if he's a free agent. You don't know if they're going to resign him. I believe they may sign him to a one-year deal, same way they did with Brett Gardner. He's a good back end of the rotation kind of guy. Uh, yeah, and he pit, like you said, he pitched well enough this year, and he's probably a better answer than a lot of these guys that they had come up this year. I know there was a few of them. We saw, and then they threw him straight to the bullpen because they, no. So 
starting rotation is definitely your n number one. After that, maybe first base. You I know you don't like the catcher idea, but Gary Sanchez had a really, really I'm just miserable think, year. Listen, but if I know you want to bring Yasmani Grandal into here, but why? I mean, he's not much better defensively. I mean, he had a blunder in the World Series, and that drives Yankee fans crazy. And then I think that Sanchez, he looks better in the playoffs. I think why not just roll him back out there? He's fine. And do you really think he has money? Don't forget that they actually sent him to the minors this year at one point because he was doing so bad. They didn't send him to the minors. He got hurt. I don't believe that. Uh, I was, believe he was in the minors he was for like <laughs> a week or so. He was never in the minors. He was in the minors for a rehab stint. But he was never in the minor. He was never sent down to the minors. They ha they were talking about it. I know that. No, the Yankee fans were talking about it. There was no shot that the Yankees are going to send him down. His bat's too valuable. And if you're going to look to bring Yasmani Grandal, well, your here, bat clearly wasn't enough this year, and he didn't show that. He so he had two yeah. runs, but he still hit under two twenty. Yeah, but in the playoffs, he had big hits for the Yankees. He was a big part of that. He was, he had a. They didn't win. And in the, That's what I'm saying. But the last two weeks of the season, and you really, and now, think, and you really think Yasmani Grandal is going to come in here and all of a sudden change the culture of the Yankees, hit I, 300? And what do you think is going to happen to bring Grandal in here? I said Grandal was an option, but they also have Maldonado. There's, but no, there's no way they bring a catcher Let's in go here. to the first base. Now, you said you want them to go in on a first baseman. There's not a lot of first basemen out there on the market. So what the Yankees are probably going to have to do is at the trade deadline next year, probably trade for one. But to be honest, Luke Voigt cannot be the ca the first baseman of the future. He had a couple good he had a couple good weeks here. Yeah, probably what the last good two months, last month and a half, as soon as whatever he came it was. Up. But well, he got he was dealt here from the Cardinals, and he had a couple good months. But I just don't see him as the future first baseman. He's just not. It's just not going to happen. I don't see him as a future first baseman, but he's what you have right now, and you have to utilize him. Well, yeah, and but you have to. I think that he, they're going to start the season with. Luke Voigt at first base. I mean, Definitely not Greg Bird. Forget about Greg no, Bird. Greg, that project's over. No, forget about Greg Bird. I don't want to hear about his nice swing anymore. I'm tired of hearing about that. The guy, he's not that good defensively. He's okay defensively, really. And in my opinion, he's not any good at the plate. And I think that's a lot of people's opinions because he's just... And you know what? They've spent too much time on Greg Bird... And I think that it's done because the Yankees are a win-now team. You can't spend any more time waiting for Greg Bird to find it. I think he's had too much of an opportunity here. So do you think – let's going back to the starting pitching. If they lose out on Patrick Corbin, who do you think is a backup plan? Do you think they re-sign Jay Hat? I think the backup plan at that point would be Keuchel. Get Dallas Keuchel here. I think that that's the backup plan. I think that you could re-sign – got to re-sign Jay Happ. I think Jay Happ is a good third, fourth starter. I mean, would you realistically, you don't want Jay Happ to be your go-to guy. He was the go-to guy last year, and it was kind of upsetting because Jay Happ had a four-year right. You need a guy like Corbin or Keuchel to really come in here and head this rotation because if you can have Corbin or Keuchel with Severino, that's your one-two right there. You're going to have to knock out the three. That's a pretty good one-two-three. And then you have Jay Happ as the four, and then I guess you could re-sign CeCe as the five. I mean, that's not a terrible rotation. It's certainly not the best, but then maybe you can deal for somebody at the deadline. Do you think they, uh, at a last resort, do you think they signed Francisco Liriano? Francis no, I don't think that Francisco Liriano is going to be a New York Yankee. I mean, he's really shelled into a bullpen kind of guy. I don't think that he'll, they'll re-sign. I don't think they'll sign him in any way. Okay. And as we <laughs> mentioned before, Brett Gardner signed a one-year deal. What does this mean for the outfield? Uh, it means that it's going to be Stanton, Judge, and Hicks again next year. And what is it? Really, I don't agree with signing Brett Gardner back. I don't really think that he serves much of a purpose here. He didn't have a good year last year. And they have guys like Clint Frazier down in the minors. But, you know, you keep hearing about Clint Frazier, Frazier, Frazier. But, like, where is he? Like, what is he going to do up here? Is he yeah, ever going to be up here? Is he ever going to be a Yankee? Are they going to trade him? I believe that he may be a piece for... A solid trade. He's probably going to have to be because they're deadlocked into Stanton. Nope. There's only one other place that Stanton would go, and that's the Dodgers. And I don't think the Dodgers are going to try to trade for Stanton. I mean, I've seen crazier things happen, but... I don't think he'll go to the Dodgers anyway. They have Cody Bellinger. Well, no, but I think that the Dodgers would be willing to take a shot at him. And I think that he wanted to go to... It was either the Yankees or the Dodgers. I mean, he didn't want to go to the Cardinals. And I just think, though, next year it's going to... I think Hicks... Prove that he could be your center fielder every day. He's a good fielder. 
I mean, he strikes out a lot, and he complains about his strikeouts a lot, but I think you can live with Hicks in center. And then, really, what you need to look at is the infield. Are they going to go all-in on Machado? And I think I think all I think all signs are pointing to yes that they are going in all in on Machado because there's a report that came out today that's going all in on Machado and you shake your head no but it's true they're going they're all in. They're not getting Machado. him though. I I and not you you are just crazy and you don't want Machado on the Mets but I want Machado on the Mets and I don't think the Mets are going to really be a big player for him I mean who knows but I think the really big competition for Machado is the Phillies and I think the Phillies really are going to get either. Harper or Machado. So I think that that's the Yankees' biggest competition. And I think the Yankees really need a big-time shortstop. Oh, not a shortstop, a big-time infielder in general. Because Machado can hit over 300. He gets on base. He can hit home runs, which is, you know, up Brian Cashman's alley. And he plays fantastic defense. And the Yankees are not a good defensive team in any way, shape, or form. No. But, like you said, yeah, you have to put him somewhere. And maybe if he gets the money that he wants, maybe he'll settle for playing third base, even though he doesn't want to. Well, they got but when you're on the Yankees, you're not taking shortstop over Didi Gregorius. Well, Didi Gregorius is on the last year of his contract. Maybe the Yankees try to move him. I mean, if they can get Machado long-term and get Didi out of here, I think that they will do that in a heartbeat. Listen, I, know, I think Didi's been a good Yankee, but I know I would rather Manny Machado over Didi Gregorius. I think he's just as good a fielder. I think he's a better hitter than Gregorius. And I think that he's a better option. And he's young. 24, 25 years old. He's young. Controllable. Which is everything a Major League Baseball team wants. Which is why he should be on the Mets. But if you're the Yankees, I think that he's a nice option for you guys. And you know what? They need him. They need they need a guy like Machado. They do. But, again, it all comes down to whoever wants to... Whoever is the highest bidder is going to get him he's go- at, the, at the end of the year. And I don't see it being the Yankees because I, I feel like they have so many other spots to fill. Yet you want Yasmani Grandal. I don't want him. I didn't say that they, the Yankees should go I out right s- now and get him. I saw your notepad before the show. I, saw I was it. just writing down names, but no, that's besides the point. I just don't like Gary Sanchez. He can't be your everyday starting listen, catcher. Listen, listen, listen. I don't care about his bat. I don't care about people who hit home runs. That's not the Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball should be I agree and will with always you. be about average. I and agree be, with and you. Good, his defensive ability is non-existent. Listen, He's wh- costed the Yankees more than a handful of times. Who do you want? What do you want? What do you want to replace him? I gave you options. I'm not saying what you should co- go what you, target them. Give, give me your top three options to replace Gary Sanchez. Yasmani Grandal was one. Nope. Maldonado. Nope. And the third one, I would have to think a little bit more into that, but I'm sure there's someone out there. They could even maybe steal JT somehow. Listen, the Yankees are going to use their trade pieces, not for JT Realmuto. No. They're going to use They're going to use them for a pitcher or a first baseman. Because to me, there are more option, there are more concerning matters for the Yankees than a catcher right now. I think they can live with Gary I Sanchez behind the plate. That. Behind the plate, I think the number one concern is the rotation. I think that their rotation is completely—it's a mess. It's out of disarray right I now. I think if the rotation stays the same, you're going to look at the Red Sox da- dancing at Yankee Stadium again, probably. And I think right now the Yankees need to—they have a great bullpen. Okay, I mean, listen, the bullpen struggled. But they need to look into their offense because, like you said, they hit too many. They try to hit too many home runs and they strike out too much. But you need to add some depth to the middle of that lineup in that in that middle infield. Because listen, you got Andujar who gets on base. I like Andujar's bat. He's a great, great bat. He's a good player. His defense struggled a little bit. This goes what I thought I said. Why they should get Machado because they'll be a better defensive team. Their and defense then, is atrocious, so they do need to. I not say I'm not against the Yankees getting Machado. I just think that they really need to be a highest bidder, but because they need to help out their starting the Yankees, rotation, they got the money. They got the money. They're the Yankees. Yeah, but you saw last year they went all in on Stanton. What did they do after that? They they waited until the trade deadline to pick up average uh, pitchers. Well, Cashman did what he had to do. I mean, I think. Listen, I'm not really a big Brian Cashman fan. I think that he's a little overrated in what he's done because 
I don't think everybody went crazy about the Stanton trade. I think that they're regretting that now because now they're deadlocked with Stanton. I think that there's there are much better outfield options out there. And they didn't need another Aaron Judge in the lineup. And Aaron Judge is better. Let's be honest. I mean, he, he hits better. I mean, people... But we got to realize that Aaron Judge is just a good overall hitter. He is. But Stanton is just an all-or-nothing guy. And I think Stanton, they figured him out. He chases sliders in the dirt like there's no tomorrow. I just think that they needed more. And I think that that falls on Cashman. And Clint Frazier, we keep hearing about Clint Frazier, but where is he? I mean, I know he got hurt late in the year, but nobody wants him. No, The scouts say they don't want him in a trade. I don't think they should have ever went for Stanton because he's the same exact thing as Aaron Judge. And, you know, they're both big players. They hit home runs, and they play the same position. So it was really just a waste. So, I don't know. We'll see what the Yankees do in the upcoming weeks. I, I guess we will. I, I guess you just have to agree to disagree. But you've been listening to the 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60-Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram, at the 60-Minute Dash. We'll talk to you next time, guys.